It is good to be here with you this morning as you gather here in our sanctuary and as you gather at home and other places virtually. It's just good to know that we are the family of God and we are the community of faith that gathers for worship to offer our praise and glory to God wherever we are. But it is so good to be able to see you, at least, you know, your eyes and tops of your heads, parts of your noses. <laughs> but it's a... Uh, it is a great and grand thing for us to be able to gather, and for that I celebrate. Um, today we are starting a new sermon series. It's called Jesus in Galilee, and we're going to kind of walk through uh, for three weeks these early stories of Jesus and his earthly ministry in Galilee. Now this is an interesting um, uh, story in, the, in these three weeks because they kind of fall out of place in our lectionary calendar but this is where the lectionary places. And the lectionary is a three-year guided reading. It takes us through the stories of the gospel and through the Bible over a three-year um, um, rotation. This year we're in Mark. So we will spend a lot of our time um, walking with Jesus, journeying with Jesus, and learning about being a disciple following the rabbi as Mark describes that ministry and that earthly life that Jesus led. But if we... We need to back up a little bit and put all this in some context. Because in a couple of weeks, we're going to change. Our timing is going to be off. So to start at the beginning, um, in Advent was the new church year. It was, our, our, it, was, it was the new year for the church, the first Sunday of Advent back in the end of November. We made our way to Christmas when we celebrated Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ. And then we made our way through Christmas into, Epi into Epiphany when we celebrated that Jesus was born. The incarnation of God was here for, for Gentiles and all people, not just Jewish people, but for all the nations as we journeyed with those magi, those wise men, as they approached to honor and gift and to glorify the newborn king. The next thing that we did was we celebrated Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River at the hand of John the Baptist. And we, remember, we remembered our own baptisms or looked forward to those baptisms and what it means to be brought into the family of God. And now... We're making our way into this earth, early ministry of Jesus Christ. This early ministry was about the call of disciples, this gathering of students, this building of a community, this fledgling community. But we've skipped a big step. There's a big piece of the story that we've just casually jumped over. Because we're going to come back to it. In three weeks, we're going to come back to Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he will be tempted by the tempter for, for 40 days and 40 nights as he fasted and prayed and considered his call by God and his mission on earth as he resisted the temptations of the world and the great tempter. We've floated right over that and landed with Jesus coming back into Galilee where he grew up, where he was a young boy and learned lessons at a, on, the knee, on the knees of his mother and watched his father and probably worked with his father as a carpenter. Here we have him coming back as a grown man 
to gather that community, to begin searching out and calling those first disciples who would then call other disciples. And we're going to learn from Mark how urgent this ministry, this call, these early steps were in Jesus' life and urgent for us as the, as the community of faith, as the church. God calls us, Christ calls us in all times and in all places, and it can be surprising. Now, when I read the story that we're about to read in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, I think about my grand. I can't help but think about my grandfather. It's just, it's just written all over him. He can't help it. I can't help it. My grandfather did all kinds of things to make a living when he was a young man. All kinds of things. Many of them I probably don't even know about. Some of them I probably shouldn't know about. But one of the things he did, he, he cut timber. He, he worked in the swamps cutting timber. And then he got, he got on with a, with a fisherman. He was a commercial fisherman for some time. And, and where he lived, what that meant was he got into a mullet skiff boat and rowed out seven miles, ten miles, fourteen miles to lower his nets, to capture and catch mullet, to haul them back in, and then to row back the seven, ten, and fourteen miles back to the dock. Now, I, I, I heard stories, but my whole life of fishing was about pleasure. It was about drifting down a river or power boating out wherever I wanted to go. And if, if, if something didn't bite in the first 10 seconds, I was ready to go somewhere else. I can't imagine rowing that far just to begin work. And then rowing back. My, my back actually hurts just thinking about it. And when he told those stories, all the things he saw, all the things that they did, the fish they caught, it was mesmerizing to my young ears. I wanted to be a commercial fisherman. Who wouldn't want to go out there and see all of, God, of, of God's nature and God's glory displayed in full light? And the rivers, the channels, and bays of the world. Now, obviously, commercial fishing, especially in those days, was not a barrel of monkeys. It wasn't for the, the weak at heart, for those who were allergic to hard labor. And one of the one of the things that, you, that I heard him talk about, and I've heard other fishermen talk about, is that when, it's, when the days are good and the fish, the catch is, is, is a big catch, it's invigorating, it's exciting, and you wouldn't take anything for it. But on all those other days, when the catch is not so good, and you come home with very little, if anything, in, your, in the fish boxes, and you're worrying about how you're going to 
how you're going to pay the bills and put food on the table and take care of your family and take care of your boat and your nets and, and everything else. There's probably a lot of things you can imagine doing other than fishing. One of the stories I ran across, Bob Sharp gave me this book some time ago, and there's this wonderful little story in here. The book is called Spring Creek Chronicles, and it has a story in here called Just a Day at the Office. It says, I was unloading my boat at dusk dark. I'd been out scrapping up row mullet looking for a big bunch. Hadn't found it. Lee Nell was standing on the dock telling Bruce and Lee where he would be to catch a bunch of fish if he was still fishing. They were paying close attention, and so was I, because Mr. Lee Nell had caught more mullet in his lifetime than all three of us together would ever hope to see. He was telling them to be at Goose Creek Seine Yard well before daylight. Not at daylight, but in the black dark before daylight. There was a front coming through, and he knew where the fish were going to move. He knew exactly where and when that big bunch of run mullet were going to go, and I can testify to it. Well, I was late the next morning. Not real late, but too late. I didn't make it to my skiff till about 6.30 the next morning. I was running wide open, headed for Goose Creek, picturing that huge run of fish coming down the shoreline when I spied Lee's, Lee Allen's boat slowly plowing along, rising, sun still attached to the water, already coming back. Just the bow caps of the boats were sticking up out of the water, Lee and Bruce motioning us with their arms to slow down, to not throw any wake or it'll swamp their boats. They're loaded. Both boats loaded so heavy with fish that they're flush with the level of the water in the bay. Just the forward movement of the boat keeps them from sinking. They had just over 6,000 pounds, as it turned out. Bruce not even putting his net overboard because they knew they couldn't haul any more than Lee Allen was catching in his net. Mr. Lee now had been right and I had been late, but the sun was just coming up and I was determined to find the rest of that bunch or another one. I took off to the east searching and looking, mad at myself for missing out on that big lick. All Goose Creek Bay I searched, no fish. Up Shepherd Spring, Gander Creek, Mensler, Graves, no fish. I finally anchored down about mid-morning at the mouth of Shepherd Springs to wait and hope another bunch would try to slip by in the channel. I was disgusted and Mark, my brother-in-law who was fishing with me, wasn't real happy either. We both needed the money and our pride had a big bruise on it too. I'm ready to go somewhere, anywhere where there's some fish. I'm tired of waiting on them, not being too patient anyway. These fishermen understood and were probably reminded again and again and again of the excitement and the exhilaration of a big catch, a good run. And they also knew the depression, the angst, the embarrassment, and the fear of not catching any fish, of having to come back with empty fish boxes. This whole scenario, this mindset sits with me as I read this gospel passage. You know, a friend of mine who was a farmer, he was a peanut farmer, 
And I asked him one day, I said, I said, do you, I said, do you miss farming? He was no longer hadn't farmed in years. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I miss farming, but I don't miss having to farm. And there's something to that in the story of fishermen. Fishing, fishing is great. But if you have to rely on it to put food on the table, to take care of your family, I'm sure there are days when you just don't want to have to fish. In our story, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, we have Jesus returning to Galilee. He's walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and this is where he begins to encounter those early disciples. Hear now a reading from the gospel. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this story, this account of the call of the disciples, these first four, these fishermen, we, we see them in two different aspects of what they do every day. The first two are out, out in the boat and they're dropping their nets. They're catching the fish. They're about the business of fishing. And Jesus calls out to them in the middle of this, with their nets in the water, follow me. And they immediately follow Jesus. Mark tells us again that as Jesus continued to walk just a little further down the road, he sees two other fishermen and they're in their boat, but they're not fishing. They're mending their nets. They're about the everyday business of fishing as well. Not the glorious side of fishing, but the tedious side of fishing. Repairing nets, tending to your equipment, your tackle, taking care of your boat. And he calls out to these two. James and John, follow me. And we're told immediately. They drop their nets, leave their father in the, in the boat with the hired men, and they follow Jesus. These are two incredible accounts. I wonder what it was like for these four men. What was going on? Were the nets full that, that Andrew and Simon were trying to, to haul in? Was it, was it a really good day, or was it just a routine day, or maybe it was a horrible day? I like to think it was a pretty good day. They were still fishing, or had gotten a really early start. And then James and John, they get their call in the tedious of life, 
and they follow. They follow immediately. You know, the word immediately is used 27 times in the, in the Gospel of Mark, four times in, in the first chapter. That's a good bit. That's an important word for Mark. It's an important word for us. When we think about Jesus calling his disciples, he comes to them at the, in, the, in their everyday life where they worked, where they lived. And he calls them not to think about following him, not to consider it, not to plan on it, but to do it. There was a sense of urgency in this call. Kind of like our fisherman friend in Spring Creek. The call was to be there well before daylight while it was still dark. Don't be late. There's no call to be waiting, to be patient, to answer Jesus' call. So I wonder, when I, when I envision these four men casting their nets and mending their nets, what was going through their mind? Were they thinking about a rabbi? Were they thinking about, you know what, maybe, maybe if, you know, if, if a rabbi comes by today looking for students, I'm going to follow him. Or were they thinking about, I've got to get this net fixed so I can catch some fish and, and pay the bills and put some money and some food on the table. James and John were worried about taking care of not just their family, but the hired men's families. Their father's family. There was a lot of stress on these men. There's a lot of stress on us to take care of ourselves, our families, our friends, our neighbors, those whom we love. And God comes to us in the middle of that life, our life. Whether we're about the business of, of fishing or we're about the business of fixing our fix, fishing nets, mending those nets, God comes to us. And He calls us to something completely different. New and maybe even unfamiliar. My grandfather fished for some time, but he didn't end his life as a as a fisherman, he ended up working for a tugboat for Tenneco Oil. He was a tugboat engineer. One of his buddies became a captain and brought him on as a crew member. And he did that for over 20 years. I don't know if he ever thought about being a tugboat engineer while he was out casting his nets, rowing out mile after mile. But the opportunity arrived, and he took it. And it changed his life for the good. It changed his life in probably ways he never would have imagined. And when we answer God's call, when we answer Jesus' call, that sense of urgency, that, that sense of immediacy, it changes our lives. Just as it changed those four fishermen's lives. Consider what they were doing compared to what they will do following Jesus. I, I imagine as they heard that call and left their nets, left their boats, left their lives, this is what they left. They left the Sea of Galilee, a familiar, beautiful lake, to live in a, an itinerant life on the road, not having a home, 
traveling from place to place. They left the love of their family for the rejection by religious leaders and many, many others. They left the routine and everydayness of their jobs for the invigoration, the excitement of a vocation to follow God, to follow Christ. They left the fish in those shallows, those familiar shallows, to the depth, to the depth of humanity's redemption. They left the expectation of a daily life to follow the hope for salvation. They left the life they knew for the divine mystery that knew them. This is the call for the four fishermen. It's the call for us as the church. And the call comes with a sense of urgency. Timing is important. And if there's one thing that I know for sure, it's that the kingdom of God comes to us. It comes to us with a sense of urgency, calling us to immediately reply, immediately respond, immediately follow the Holy Spirit into the world. The kingdom of God comes to us in our time and in our place, in our everydayness, to reveal the presence of God and the good news that is for us and that is for the world. And for that I give great thanks. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite us as we're able to stand for our affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, we want to thank you once again for being here for worship this morning. If you have any questions about the Christian faith or about the life of Ashland Place, know that Sterling or I would love to talk to you. We've been known to get coffee with people or meals with people outside. You know, we would love to talk to you. So please let us know if you'd ever like to get together. And you can find all of our information on our website, apumc.com. We hope we'll see you at 4 o'clock today for our drive-in service. And again, you're invited to stay in here after if you'd like to hear more about the Columbarium Project. So now, please receive this benediction. May you go from this time in this space to immediately leave your nets and answer the call to be fishers of people. Go in peace. Amen.